Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode Number 70. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here, Steelers Nation, on this Monday, this Victory Monday, and the first day of 2024. Very happy New Year to everybody listening. And Dave, same to you. Hope you had a good trip out there in Tucson for the bowl game. Glad you're back. And we have a lot to talk about. Today. <laughs> we do. We won't get into my uh, trip uh, too much other for other than me thanking uh, Ollie for uh, having me and my wife out there and uh, nice accommodations uh, up high in that suite. And it's everything that you imagine that 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 kind of experience uh, uh, would be. Uh, I did realize uh, that uh, at my age now, I no longer like driving long distances at night. I already kind of knew that. But uh, after a long day and having to drive uh, about seven hours back, uh, uh, I've made the determination that I will no longer do that. So if I <laughs> if I go out of town again and the games, uh, uh, yeah, I got to get back for a game. I'm not going to get back for the game. I'll just handle it from a hotel room uh, from wherever I am. But happy New Year uh, to you, Alex. Uh, quite a memorable New Year's uh, uh, Eve, if you will. And uh, hope everybody is doing well to start off 2024. A rockin' E for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a, a long plane ride back, but it was a joyous one getting the win 30 to 23 over the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Pittsburgh now nine and seven in their playoff hopes while still needing help and needing to take care of business against Baltimore on now Saturday. We'll talk about that in a second. That path is becoming clearer and clearer and more realistic. So headlines from the last 24 hours again, Pittsburgh winning 30 to 23. Another solid outing by Mason Rudolph. Strong running game overall. But Dave, the big news is Mike Tomlin holding his press conference just a little bit ago. That's why this podcast is coming out later. Confirming A, Kenny Pickett is healthy. And B, Mason Rudolph will start on Saturday in the Week 18 finale against the Baltimore Ravens. So officially, the health card can no longer be played or tried to be played. Kenny Pickett benched. Mason Rudolph is your starter. Yeah, uh, which, which angle do you want to start digging in, in into this uh, with? Look, we we said that it was going to be you know that that, that the decision, uh, however, depending on how things played out, obviously in the game and the performance of Mason Rudolph, and uh, there was no. I, I kind of reference this as kind of a crude reference, but you kind of expect those things from me at this point, as, as long as as you've known me. But uh, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin, I think, tried to set this up as trying his best to step into the smallest pile of crap <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he could, and I, I suppose maybe to some degree he did, but he still ended up stepping in a pile of crap and. Uh, now, kind of based on some things, so, some clarity that we re- received on 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 Monday from Mike Tomlin, uh, and hey, I'm not sure there was a way around this, but this 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 pile of crap has the ability to actually grow <laughs> uh, at this point. So uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, there's 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 crap on the shoe right now, and once again, I I, I don't think it was avoidable. I think there's just lesser degrees of quote unquote crap 
that uh, he 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 could have dealt with there. Now there, let let's rewind this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, nobody was surprised that Mason Rudolph got the start uh, against the Seahawks uh, when the inactive list was released. I don't think anybody was surprised to see Kenny Pickett's name on it. I think the only mystery at that point was would Kenny Pickett be listed in as the emergency number three and thus in uniform? Uh, he was not. Uh, so that was one minor uh, mystery there. Uh, look, I I I I released my pregame, you know, inactive predictions every week, and I actually hit this one spot on. The only thing that I left in there is, you know, will 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 Kenny Pickett uh, be the number three or won't he? That's the only thing that that to me was a little bit of the mystery there. Uh, he was not the emergency third uh, quarterback there. Now. Ahead uh, of the game, I think yesterday the report started to surface that uh, Kenny Pickett was healthy enough to uh, to dress or play in, in 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 this game against the Seahawks. And in so many words, uh, Mike Tomlin, you know, confirmed that uh, today. Uh, he did kind of. Uh, add to that that he wasn't cleared until later in the week, uh, yada, yada. Uh, and then he was pressed with a very good question of, uh, you know, why wasn't he at, at, at the very least listed as the emergency third, you know, quarterback and thus in uniform. And his response to that was, let me see if I can find it here. Do you have that up in front of you there, Alex? I can oh. try to pull it. Essentially, the unlikelihood of it happening and the Oh, oh, here, here it is. He says uh, he was asked why Kenny Pickett was not dressed as the inactive emergency uh, number three quarterback. Uh, because, again, the likelihood of that coupled with the risk in terms of what I didn't see for from him, it would have been uh, been speculating. And I just, you know, I'm not into speculating. Uh here, here's and, and people say, oh, here goes Dave, you know, uh, uh, with 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 a tinfoil hat on, and maybe you'll agree with this, Alex. Maybe you won't. I don't care. <laughs> uh, uh, but this is my view on it. Now that he's come out and said that, look, he was a, he was he's essentially cleared uh, to play. In other words, healthy enough to play. Then why the hell didn't he at least tag? I mean, you're talking about just a clerical move more than anything which would have mm-hmm. would have it wouldn't have it wouldn't alleviated all the you know more discussion and all like that but with him saying essentially that that, that, that Kenny Pickett was cleared then why not put the number three uh, designation on him and then let it kind of drift off and you can then hide behind that aspect say well you know he was cleared but you know there was uh, you know there were you know the other risk involved and all like that I had I didn't see enough so that's why he was the number three but you know we got him in uniform uh, and, 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 and and can move on from there uh, to me that that was the biggest thing. My biggest uh, thing coming out of this press conference today was, okay, if he was cleared, why wasn't he number three? Now, I we realize, we both realize that, that you know, since Tomlin gave his press conference, there's some reports, I guess, out there. Uh, I don't know, they speculate reports or they reports or, or, or what have you, saying that Kenny essentially refused to be the backup or mm-hmm. uh, uh, something along those lines. Look, 
that that may or may not be true. You would think something like that would flush out the next time that 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 Kenny Pickett addresses the media, right? Well, I don't think he would say that. Okay, all right. Oh, well, or maybe he would. So we're going to be left to wondering: Can anybody can actually confirm that report? Okay, and sure. if if indeed, because I mean, there, I don't want to come out there and say it's gospel, but then again, I'm not going to come out and say, oh, that's that's BS. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now, if it does come come to surface that Kenny essentially refused to dress as the number three, then then shame on him. OK, mm-hmm. uh, that would be my take on it. But the biggest thing that I couldn't help but wonder about, you know, as Mike Tomlin talked today, is why the heck wasn't Kenny listed as as the emergency number three in, in, in uniform? And if he if he said he didn't want to be in uniform for that, well, then that's the answer. But we're going to have to let some of this, I think, flesh out. I agree. It is, you know, a little strange that Pickett wasn't at least at emergency number three. I, I expected him to, to not dress or at least be the number three in the sense of he didn't have the reps and the time missed and Trubisky had some additional time. And so it made more sense for Trubisky to be the number two in terms of why he wasn't the emergency third quarterback. Tomlin's answer doesn't really, you know, pass the, the muster test there. But to the here and now, Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. For week 18, and presumably if, they, if there's more games to be played after that, Rudolph probably had a hand in getting them to that point in this Ravens game. And so I assume Rudolph is the quarterback the rest of the way. And I thought Mike Tomlin handled it well. You know, last week he could play the health card and leave things vague and up in the air and not really have to address it head on. Today, there was no choice. And I think Tomlin did it the only way you could is address it clearly, transparently, pick it as healthy. Rudolph is the guy. That's all that can be said. You can't dance around this anymore and expect anyone to believe it. So uh, that's a scenario. It's the right decision. Pickett clearly not happy about that based on how he you know, acted towards the media last week. And I'm sure he's not happy about things right now. And I understand that he's a competitor. I mean, he lost his job. That's you know tough to do. But that's where this team is at. And that's the best thing for the team. It's the right decision by Mike look, Tomlin. Look, if there is a best way that Mike Tomlin could have handled this on Monday today, I, I think he did it, mm-hmm. but it's, but we had said there's going to be some decisions, you know, and, and, and obviously it's kind of highlighted by uh, the reports pregame that, that, that Kenny was healthy enough and, 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 and that kind of thing. Uh, after the fact, now assuming Kenny Pickett didn't refuse to dress and knowing what we know now, which we obviously didn't know pregame, you know, for sure, Mike Tomlin had, hadn't said it at least, uh, hindsight if Kenny was willing to dress I think Mike Thomas should have put him in uniform and gave him the number three designation and then play it off as mm-hmm. well you know like, like like I had said earlier there now why does all people saying oh get on with the game and all you know all like that well what why does this matter because it 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 continues to linger out there about what does this mean for Kenny Pickett? moving forward in the quarterback room and, 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 and the future of this organization at such an important position moving forward. And right now, uh, I think you can only define this, uh, in, in, in a few ways, a Mason Rudolph is your starting quarterback right now. That's undeniable, right? Right. B Kenny Pickett is not your starting quarterback right now. He has lost his job. Correct. Right. 
Mitch Trubisky is not long for this franchise, more than likely. I want to want to be careful there, but uh, I would I would tend to think that he's not long for this franchise. So, and the other undeniable fact right now is Mason Rudolph is not under contract with this team in 2024. So, at this point in time, right now, you have more qu- more questions than you do answers about oh, yeah. your about your 2024 Steelers quarterback room. Now, those questions will grow even more because, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike Tomlin did not come out and guarantee that that Kenny Pickett would be the the backup to Mason Rudolph on 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 Saturday against the Ravens. Correct. He did not, and that's where I was going to go with it just briefly is let's get our answer for this weekend. Pickett, we know, is healthy. That's confirmed. I want to see how practice reps look. He can't be limited. He's not going to be on the injury report. Is he working second-string team? I know those reps are scarce, you know, especially at this point in the season, but, you know, is he second-string? Is he going to be the number two on Saturday? Those are going to be equally telling, if not more telling, than this past weekend. Right. So there's another layer of this politics onion that's yet, yet to watch. Uh, you know, un, un, unfold here, but uh, look, it, it, you don't have to listen to this podcast or, or, or go in into uh, as, as deep, you know, you could be just a fan on the outside right now and say, there's questions about Kenny Pickett in the future of this franchise period and, and, and end it right there. And you just did a five minute, you just did a five second podcast, you know, and, 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 and not not many would, would 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 question you in that. So, but going deeper is we always like to do. Sometimes too deep. Uh, I think that's kind of in the situation that you are right now. And I think the next layer, again, the next layer that onion will be who is the backup uh, to 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 Mason Rudolph. You would think that it's going to be Kenny Pickett, assuming he mm-hmm. <laughs> assuming he. He, 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 he agrees to that, you know, and if he does it, then I, I think then that's grounds of, oh yeah, of, a huge story of, of being placed on, you know, uh, contract co- conduct detrimental to the team, wasn't it? Well, I mean, that's, that opens up a Pandora's box there, but right. if Pickett's not the number two, if he's the number three for any reason, even, even if he's emergency number three, you know, that's going to drum up a lot of questions because you would expect the healthy Kenny Pickett to be the number two quarterback for this team at the very least. So we'll see. The other thing, if I could just add on to one more of the undeniable kind of truths of the quarterback situation that you just walked through, Mason Rudolph, not under contract for next year, his price tag has just gone up Mm. these last two games considerably. I mean, if you're talking, if if he continues to stack positive performances, we're not talking about a contract that's small, the minimum contract that he got this past year, the quiet, empty, free agent market he ostensibly had. We're talking about a guy that may be literally making tens of millions of dollars because of the scarcity of the quarterback position and kind of the short-term nature of how teams react to these things. I had the comparison that Matt Flynn got paid a $20 million contract in 2012 for one good game against the the Lions. I think it was in the finale. I mean, that was a decade plus ago and the salary cap was half of what it's going to be for this year. So um, you know, it's a, it's a longer conversation. It's more of an off season conversation. We're, we're for the here and now I understand that, but just to, to plant that seed, if you want Rudolph to be the starter or, or retain him in any, any sort of sense, you're not paying him backup money, compete for your job money. You may be paying him a starter's contract. 
And look, he would be foolish right now to not at least test free agency again, at least where they now look this state, you know, there's still <laughs> talk about franchise uh, tag too. You want to get into that uh, level uh, of stuff? I mean, I, I, the, the thought crossed my mind, not that the Steelers would do it, that, that Rudolph posture would be, if you want me that bad, just place the tag on me and then I can't go anywhere. All right. Now, do I, that None of that to me is is feasible, but the thought if I'm Rudolph's side of things, that's a bit of the posture that I take. And look, I mean, we still don't know how this thing's going to play out. Sure. For me. Sure. Shoot, if they go on a on a playoff run, or or if he goes out there and throws three interceptions against the Ravens and they lose, the whole the whole narrative can can. You know that meme where the car's going down the highway and it's screeching on the brakes and it takes that right exit to your know, turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's still parts of this story yet to be written, but all we can deal with w- w- is what now. And no, Dave does not suggest a place in a franchise tag. I'm just looking at it on on, on Rudolph's side of the uh, negotiation process. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and if he continues to play at or above the level that he's played in these last two games, then it's it's undeniable his, his price tag is going to remain up going in, in, in into the offseason. And he'd be foolish just to sign anything that he believes is, is uh, uh, close to being below his presumed market value. And we've seen, look, look at what Mitch signed a couple of years ago and right. uh, playing 30, 33 snaps or whatever with the Buffalo Bills uh, uh, quarterback, uh, even a good backup is a luxury in the NFL, right? Uh, right. And, and and just to be clear really quickly, I'm not concluding anything on Mason Rudolph. I'm not saying no. he's a long-term guy, that, mm. you know, whatever. I, what my, my posture on Rudolph is he's the starter. He's playing well. He's going to be the starter the rest of the season. And I'm going to enjoy the ride, and I'll evaluate him and his situation and the Steelers situation once this thing all ends. Because like right. you said, this thing can go different ways and, and divergent paths. So. I want to make that clear. I'm not trying to conclude because we can get too reactive, good and bad sure. on he's the guy or he's not the guy and jump on and off this roller coaster. I'm enjoying the ride. And once it ends, once we're done and get off of it, I'll see where things are at. And the other thought, uh, uh, comical thought that crossed through my head, if I'm Omar Khan, I bring in a stack of like uh, papers and, and some autograph and pictures for him to sign. And I, I, right in the middle of there, I put like a, uh, a, a two year, <laughs> six million per. <laughs> <Sneak it in. laughs> oh, no, don't don't read that. Just sign it. You know, uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm obviously being uh, try, trying to make a funny there. But uh, uh, look, long story short, in the here and now, Mason Rudolph's made himself some money. He's not under contract for next year. Mitch Trubisky seems destined to be out the door. Uh, unless he agrees to take that contract down to the minimum with 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 no guarantees he stays, and then, I mean, you know, uh, other other than McSorley on the practice squad, you know, you would think that probably he's good, if he sticks for the rest of the season, he'll get a futures deal. But I mean, you don't you know you don't have much to probably work with, or or, or at least not on the surface to to get excited about there. I mean, he has been a backup in the league, yada yada. Uh, so it's not out of the question that he would be signed to reserve future deal after the season, but we'll see uh, there. But you know, long story short, I mean, you've you've once again you've got more questions than you do answers about the shape of the Steelers' quarterback room in 2024 than you did going into this game. 
you have as many questions now as you did once Ben retired after 2021 and this thing felt wide open. It's as it's maybe even more murky because there's more people to talk through right now than there was after Ben retired. So to, to bring it back to the here and now, because you might, you might not see, I mean, there's a good chance you'd never see Kenny Pickett take another snap this year, right? You know, bar, barring, barring injury or wh- what have you, mm-hmm. he's, he, you know, so your evaluation on him at this point might be done for where he's at right now. And you're going to have to make some decisions off of that as, as well. And we have both said, you know, to this point, you know, outside of some late game, uh, heroics, you know, uh, he, he, and, and we've talked about the 20, 20 game mark. Well, he's hit that. I mean, there's based on what we've seen right now to this date, there's no reason to think Kenny Pickett can be a long-term franchise quarterback right now. Sure. I understand that. And those are things this team will have to reckon with. And maybe this switch to Rudolph almost gives them that permission to look at other options, to evaluate Rudolph and the draft and free agent you know, possibilities, but those things are, are conversations down the road. We are a long cry from fire Matt Canada so we can evaluate Kenny Pickett. That, that was six weeks ago. It feels like an eternity ago, and this warmer's turned pretty dramatically. But again, I want to bring it back to the here and now. We'll have a whole offseason to really discuss Pickett's future, Rudolph's future, contracts, all that kind of stuff. Um, Rudolph has started for Week 18, good game against Seattle. It's the right decision by Tomlin, but let's be honest, it's the only decision Mike Tomlin could make. He could not go back to Kenny Pickett or or anything else. Rudolph was the option in this pivotal must-win game against Baltimore on Saturday. Quick note on that, NFL coming up with their schedule late Sunday night. What was initially listed as a Sunday game for Pittsburgh against the Ravens at Baltimore is now Saturday at 4.30. They will be the first game of Week 18 um, only one of two games on Saturday. The night game will be the Colts and the Texans. Uh, short scenario there for Pittsburgh in the playoffs. There's a couple, there's many ways they could get in the playoffs. They could even lose this game and still get in the postseason. But the simplest and most likely path is beat the Ravens on Saturday and have either the Jags, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars lose to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. That's a one o'clock game or have the Buffalo Bills lose the Miami Dolphins that is a Sunday night game so there was a possibility a, a decent one at that that Pittsburgh will not know their playoff fate until game 272 the final one of the season if Pittsburgh beats Baltimore if Jacksonville beats Tennessee Pittsburgh would then need Buffalo to lose to Miami in the last game of the season right and that assumes that uh Houston and uh uh Indy don't tie Indy don't tie so I mean once again there's like six or seven different paths here right right and and yeah so it's not just that but I, i'm outlining the simplest and, and cleanest and most likely one so this is basically what 2021 waiting for the last game of the season to see where pittsburgh ends up so this thing you know you, you buckle up it might be a long weekend yeah uh for for, for sure and look i, I you know you uh, mike thomas so many words you know was asked today well what do you think about being the first game out of the shoot not having to uh uh, scoreboard watch and all like that. Uh, I think that's actually a positive for the Steelers. Uh, mm-hmm. First game, nothing's going to be on the scoreboard. Nothing to, to stress or, or, or press about. Uh, you're you're the only show in town at that uh, early slot on Saturday. But of course, when Mike Tomlin was asked about, does that mean anything? He says, "We do not care." Sure, would not expect anything else from Mike Tomlin there, but it does matter. I think this happened in 2019. Pittsburgh, the same scenario just played out a couple of years ago where Pittsburgh in 19, they, they needed to beat Baltimore in the finale and get help. Baltimore rested their starters. They had locked up everything. 
And during that game, Pittsburgh was not getting the help they needed. And you kind of felt that team throw in the towel and they were, you know, playing kind of poorly and beat up and all that kind of stuff. And um, you, you could bet that if, if there were other games going on that were important to Pittsburgh in Baltimore, the Ravens would be making it very clear and very visible to Pittsburgh what was happening in those games. So I'm with you. I think playing this, this first game without any distraction at all from about what's happening around the league is the best thing for Pittsburgh. And y'all take that a step further here. It's a short week for Baltimore, who's already got the number uh, uh, one seed in the AFC show, uh, sewn up. There was already, you know, just even if they were playing on on Sunday, there was already going to be speculation that uh, the, the the Ravens would rest, you know, a lot of their 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 key people. With even a shorter week now, the the even more not not that the level of probability goes up that much more, but I, I think it helps helps add to it some. I, I don't expect them, and I think you would agree, they're, they'd be foolish to, to, to put their stars out there against sure. Steelers. Harbaugh can play as many games as he want to. I'll give you $100, Dave. I'll give everybody a list. Okay, I'll be careful. I had this Trevor thing happen before. I'll give you $100, Dave, if Lamar Jackson plays in this game. He's not going to play. I imagine you know Kyle Hamilton with the injuries not going to play in this one. He missed you know, yesterday's win over Miami. I, you know, I imagine that Roquan Smith, I mean, some of their starters will have to play because right. you got to feel the team. I mean, they're going to have probably, you know, half their line out there, that kind of stuff, but no Lamar Jackson. I, I doubt Roquan Smith, Hamilton, maybe no Marlon Humphrey, those kinds of things. It does not guarantee a Pittsburgh win, but it certainly helps their chances. There will, they will elevate two players from their practice squad <laughs> mm-hmm. on, on Friday. So that'll, that'll help alleviate. They will have an inactive list of seven players. Uh, there will probably be another three or four players that while not inactive, probably won't dress. Uh, but the fact of the matter, and look, we saw a couple of years ago, right. That, uh, uh, that they, that they didn't dress a handful of people. By the 19, 2019 game. What was that the game? That's the, that was the scenario I was referencing right. earlier. Yeah, I think they, they rested starters. You know, Robert Griffin started that game, that kind of stuff, and, and they still won. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh, I think, better equipped for a multitude of reasons to compete more strongly in this game. But, yes, this scenario just played out a couple years ago. As Adrian told Rocky. Oh, my goodness, the Rocky reference. Win. <sighs> win. You know, that that's the only thing you concern yourself right now with on 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 Saturday. Win. The game, period. Exactly, and that's good. The rest, the rest will take care of itself. Sole focus can be on the Baltimore Ravens. So, let, let's get into this game day. Pittsburgh, thirty to twenty-three. A different kind of brand and style of Steelers games these last couple of weeks. Offense, you know, really, you know, probably carrying the defense more. I mean, last week wasn't the case against the Bengals. It was a complete game all around. But I would say in this one, the offense really helped the defense out. And typically, the shoe's been on the other foot, but a, but a great ground game. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren is as well and as hard, as tough as those guys have run in their careers. You won't find two better running back performances than those two guys in this game, even if the numbers aren't, you know, 200 yards from an, in, an individual. Collectively, they ran for a buck 95, three touchdowns, the O-line blocking well, converting on possession downs. Um, just, just a really strong showing offensively, Dave. 
Man, uh, when's the last time? But you want you want to stamp an identity on 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 that offense, at least for that game. And and you know, I think I even said in in the short segment that we did preview in the game with the predictions at all. I expect them to run the football uh, uh, at the Seahawks. And you know, the Seahawks over the course of I think they started off the year pretty decent, like first five games against the run. But like the 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 ensuing. 10 games they they've declined against the run and obviously they were missing some people had Devin Bush out there run the football and that was the game plan going into this thing and the Steelers uh did it and the Seahawks uh uh tried every seemed to do everything imaginable to try to limit the run at that point uh now to to Seattle's uh efforts there they were able to run the football uh in this game as well too not as good as the Steelers but they still uh were able to move the football on the ground but the Steelers ability to run the football and the Seahawks wanting to react to that helped open up some of the passing game uh for the Steelers I thought uh, Mason Rudolph just really, really poised, uh, uh, managed the game really, really well, uh, took shots down the field when, when he, when he needs a uh, Look, you cannot come out of these last two weeks when you want to talk about the quarterback position and talk about the three quarterbacks that have played for the Steelers this year. Uh, the pocket presence, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph will stand in that mm-hmm. pocket. You know, uh, and you know, made a couple of big, you know, big throws uh, uh, in this game against the Seahawks uh, because of it. There, so uh, look, they had, man, the, the explode. What they have? What did I say? They had seven explosive plays, six or seven explosive plays of twenty yards or more. And if you want to count runs of ten yards or more, they had what I think a total of 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 ten when you combine. 20 yard passing plays and 10, 10 yard or more running plays together. I mean, this was uh, them moving the football down the field, staying in really manageable situations down in distances for the most part, mix in a handful of quarterback sneaks in there with, with, with Mason Rudolph that were, uh, were successful. Hell, I mean, this team rushed for 202 yards. That's the only stat that you need to see overall when it comes to uh, uh, comes, comes to this running game, uh, both backs, Harris and Warren, uh, Man, what a good yin and yang that was. The physicality of it, putting pe- sitting people down mm-hmm. uh, or down, uh, <laughs> uh, as you would say there, uh, just absolutely punishing them. And you knew if you were able to keep that up and you were able to stay on schedule for the most part, score some points, that would wear on that defense as time, time went on. And really that last run, uh, by by Najee Harris, where he went down and didn't go in the end zone, there was was your end reward for doing what you did throughout the game. In my opinion, that was that was what you wanted to get to that situation right there. They got to it. Uh, uh, Najee moved the chains. Ball game. And kudos to him for sliding. He could have walked in there and picked up a touchdown and padded the stats, but he wanted the win, and that's a, a selfless play by him. It took until. Week 17, but we finally saw the framing of the offseason. Bully ball. They played some bully ball in this one, especially Harris and Warren. The line of the offensive line really picked up where they left off in the second after the Bengals game, consistently winning at the point of attack, consistently getting a push across the board. Broderick Jones was he was a man possessed in this game. Even Kim Hayward, you know, said post-game had to calm him down a couple of times. He had a great pancake on. Julian Love, you know, pulling on a dart scheme in the first half of that game. He was amped up. He was kind of getting in guys' faces. I mean, you, you feed off of that when you're running the ball, when your backs are stiff-arming and, and dribbling defensive backs, and, you know, you're just kind of taking it to them. That was huge. I would disagree slightly on one thing that you said, Dave. 
I think Seattle ran the ball as effectively as Pittsburgh. They didn't have the volume, though, because Pittsburgh controlled the ball so well, and and they ran 71 plays to Seattle's 49. They had 37-plus minutes time of possession. Seattle, they they averaged almost six yards per carry, but their running backs only had, I think, 12 or so carries in this one. There was not the volume to get their run game going and to kind of grind down Pittsburgh's defense the way that Pittsburgh did to Seattle because Pittsburgh played such a solid ball control style of game. That's what really helped out the defense in this one and and really ultimately won this game. Okay. Well, I mean, I thought that once again, I thought they ran the ball well, the Seahawks. I just thought the, the Steelers ran it better, but sure. But I think the volume, the, the, the volume, the volume makes the volume is what it ended up making the difference as the game progressed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So really happy with that. I mean, they were six of 13. Look, on the tight, the, I mean, you, uh, Connor Hayward played his ass off in this game as a, as a run blocker. You know, you look at that uh, one that sprung Jalen earlier, you know, there were several good blocks on that, uh, on, on that run. Con- Connor Hayward was one of, there were at least three other instances, I think in the TV tape that stuck out uh, with, 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 with Connor Hayward uh, making some nice blocks uh, in this one. And, and you're right. Broderick Jones, I think uh, really, really good game from him. Uh, really all around good game, but specifically mm-hmm. in the in, in, in the run blocking uh, category, say Amalo didn't look like that shoulder was bothering him uh, at all. And I mean, you just, you had bodies, but you know, we talk, go back to that game against Colts a couple of weeks ago, talk about the running backs uh, uh, getting hit and going backwards. Uh, you had a lot of the pile moving forward, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, uh, in, in this game. And it, it, a lot of very manageable down and distance situations uh, in this game overall. And whenever you're ahead of the chains, it makes, uh, you know, makes the guesswork a little bit tougher for the defense. And look, Seattle was trying to limit that run. You know, mm-hmm. especially in the second half there, but they just kept and and it wasn't from a statistical standpoint once again that the Steelers were killing them on the ground. I don't think in the second half because I did you see what I tweeted late last night there? But the Steelers once again, as you mentioned, they had the volume there, uh, and even though a lot of those runs weren't huge runs, you know, you had a second and three run for four yards. That's a successful run, right? You had a first right. and four run uh, for four yards. That's a successful run. Uh, you had a first and 10 run for five. That's successful. Uh, what else in here? First and 10 for four. Uh, you know, you had a couple of negative runs in there a little bit later in the game, but at that point they, you know, they were, they were definitely selling out uh, for the run. And then you culminate all that with your biggest run of the, of the second half, uh, that 12 yard carry uh, for, for, for Najee Harris on what was that third and seven? Uh, there, mm-hmm. if you don't get that, I mean, I mean, yeah, you probably end up kicking a field goal there, but then you add in what well, the, you, you run into risk of it get blocked. Yeah. You, you know, all, all, you open up a different can of scenarios other than just kneeling down the football. So, uh, once again, the, the volume that the Steelers had, particularly in the second half of the running game, sticking with it, this, despite statistically from a yards per carry aspect, probably not being the best, best for them. Uh, they just bludgeoned them. They just warmed down. Bludgeon's a great word for it. And during the week prior to the game, interim OC Eddie Faulkner talked about the effort, the strain they showed against Cincinnati. That was tenfold even in the Seattle game. You talked about the touchdowns that Najee Harris was, his individual effort on that first touchdown of muscling his way in and diving and just breaking the plane. Just the effort to show that was phenomenal. And then the second touchdown, mm. the whole team carrying Najee Harris into the end zone, the tight ends, the offensive lineman, Harris churning his, his legs. 
talk about effort and strain and like teach people what you want your offense to be. That's the energy that they're feeding off of. That's the intensity in which they're playing. They were the more physical team. This is a completely different looking team from the Colts game two weeks ago when they got their butt kicked on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And this one in, in the Bengals game as well, they were kicking butts and taking things that okay, defensively run defense, not, not as much, but offensively in terms of running the football. I mean, they are just delivering body blow after body blow. And it may not be, as you said, the knockout punch in that one moment, there is not one singular play, but it is just wearing defenses down. And so by second halves of games, they are just gassed. They're, they're tired. They're waving the white flag and Pittsburgh's just grinding out clock to win these games. Yeah. And once again, I think there was no better way to punctuate all what you did in the effort of continuing to stick with the run than that final 12 yard run. By, by Najee Harris. And look, we haven't even talked about really the first half runs where all the highlights were, <laughs> you know, with, uh, with, with, with the stiff arms and, 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 and all like that. That's an important look. Uh, you don't get a break when one of those guys go off the field, especially no. in this game. No, and, and I know people always talk about thunder and lightning and Warren is more explosive. He's, I guess the lightning, but I've always said, what's wrong with thunder and thunder? Just power and more power. Put somebody fresh on the field and you have to, you know, tired legs and tired bodies have to go deal with that guy. I mean, you just cannot bring these guys down on first contact. Their broken tackle rates are among the best in football. Warren's one of the best numbers over the past five seasons. So, I mean, it just really embodies what this team needs to be, who those guys are, and they ran their butts off. All right, uh, third downs in this game, six of 13. Is that legal? It is against against non Bengals teams too. They had third down success against somebody who wasn't Cincinnati. I don't know what the, the yards to go was in those situations. I imagine it was probably pretty pretty good. You know, they were in manageable situations throughout that game. If I had to had to guess, uh, Mason Rudolph, eighteen of twenty four for two seventy four. A couple of throwaways in there. One, you know, just had to ground the screen. One uh, threw it out of the back of the end zone in the uh, uh, in, in 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 the red zone to be safe. Another one threw out of bounds. Uh, and, and it's look, this is good when you're remembering the few incompletions uh, overall. One was uh, up over the top of uh, uh, George Pickens on the sideline that he could get both feet down in. Uh, name another uh, incompletion for me. We've I've already named like five of the six that he had. So uh, this, you said the screen. Yeah, you mentioned the screen. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I'm trying to re- recall. But it, it's good when you can recall vividly recall the incompletions of, of a quarterback in the game. I think <laughs> at least when it's that few. Sure. It means it weren't, there weren't many of right. them. Honestly though, my favorite play of Rudolph the entire game was and you referenced it in an incompletion, throwing that ball, it's third and goal play action, trying to get kind of a quick pop past Allen Robinson down the seam. You know, it's, what was the score? It was, what was the score then Dave uh, on that situation? Um, 30 or 27 to 20, I believe it was. And so instead of trying to make the risky play and Rudolph talked about this afterwards, that maybe I could hit Robinson back shoulder, just throw it into the 10th row, kick the field goal, go up 30 to 20 with four and a half left, two possession game. And, and you got a really good chance to win this one. So when it's been appropriate to be aggressive, you take those chances but when it's appropriate to, to be smart. Sometimes a throwaway is the smartest thing you can do. The best thing you can do for your team. It was in that instance. So that's kind of one play that to me embodies, you know, what, has made Rudolph made this offense as successful as it's been. My favorite stat of these last two games, Dave, is zero. That's the number of turnovers Pittsburgh has had on offense in these last two games. And we've harped on it this, this entire time, this whole year, and even last year. Pittsburgh, when they do not turn the ball over, they win. When they turn the ball over, 
they lose. And, and that's true for most teams, but even more true for Pittsburgh in terms of, yeah, they can have one turnover and be one-to-one in differential, but they're probably going to lose that game. For other teams, it may be, uh, they may have higher odds. For Pittsburgh, they have to really take care of the football. And so you're, you're putting up points, you're getting 30 burgers on the board without the turnovers, without the high risky throws. And, and that is why Rudolph has been so efficient. What he's doing are things that Pickett and Trubisky were unable to do. It's why he's a starter going forward. No, I just recalled another one in my in my head that that one where they tried to leak uh, Fryermuth out that nobody was fooled on and it got uh, got batted uh, there there by the defensive end knockdown. That was another one of the right. incompletions there. But uh, uh, look, you can uh, I mean, how many interceptable balls were there even in this game? None, right? I can't think of one, and there weren't any last week. So I mean, it's you know? it's been really really clean from Rudolph. Right. So, uh, and how many times do you see somebody get as wide open as Deontay Johnson was on that one explosive play? That's the stuff that we talk about throughout the season, man. It's it's frustrating to see these other teams, (laughs) other offenses get these, get these freebies every now and again. And what that was, that was a byproduct of the running game. You know, they, all three of those linebackers get sucked up in there. Uh, you, you essentially, I think had like a two man route combination crossing over the middle there and nobody ran, uh, 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 with, with, with Deontay. And I did worry as soon as Mason released that ball, I said, Oh, is that too high? Mm-hmm. No, and then, uh, it, it wasn't, it, it probably optics or whatnot. Uh, Deontay easily, uh, went up and, 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 and got that one. Uh, even the first third down of the game, when it comes to now, look, Deontay and that fumble along the sideline and all like that, that was a hold your breath type moment there. But that first third down, right. Uh, was thrown short of the chains and Deontay breaks the tackle gets good yak you had a lot of nice yak in this game something else we've been screaming about uh uh when it comes to these wide receivers here or eligibles catching the football you had a lot of nice yak had a had a running back screen that worked uh in this game what's that i think two weeks in a row uh now that they've been 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 able to pull this off another interesting aspect about the about this game only four players targeted in the passing game Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Farmuth, and Jalen Warren. That was it. Yeah, when you run the unless ball, unless you want to call, times. unless you want to call in, you know, the direction on maybe some of those throwaways or whatnot. But th- those those aren't counted with targets. Right, four at least caught the ball, only four. But when you run the ball forty six times for most of the game since two thousand six, when you know you have you know your skill guys that you're trying to, to feed the ball to, those guys are making plays. You don't always have to, you know, get everybody involved. It's not necessarily a bad thing to do, obviously, but it, it can be good to concentrate that as well. I thought the receiver stepped up. I, I thought, in some respect, Rudolph was not quite as sharp as he was against the Bengals. Not dissing him, but you know, in terms of the, the catch you referenced, Johnson making that grab over his head. Not the world's most difficult catch, but a good catch to make. Still, all the same, George Pickens, of course, full extension on that corner route on third down. You know, not anyone's surprised he can do those things, but. It's still a, a tremendous play and a big leverage moment there for him. So that the receivers, I mean, really just the two, they were the ones that caught passes and Johnson and Pickens stepped up with some really big plays. You know, I had mentioned last week that, you know, they'd been moving Johnson in the slot and changing his alignment, number two, number three, but they really weren't getting him the football from those looks. And they did so in this game. You mentioned that, that first third down, he's over the slot, kind of that return uh, jerk route, return route, pivot route, and um, breaks a tackle, gets the first down, they hit him. Later in the game, I think from number two on an out route on third down. So I, I, I thought the alignment in the scheme was kind of matching up much better in this game than it had been the last several weeks. Uh, about the only negative I think that you can uh, that that would be 
perceived, I guess, as a negative you can frame about the offense in this one was three of seven in the red zone. But the fact that they were in the red, <laughs> seven red times. zone seven times and they cashed in on three of them, that's nitpicking right there. Uh, really and it is three of six because that was that seventh sure. one was the, the kneel down at the end of oh, the game. Good point. Good point. So three of six uh, there. Uh, the uh, the only other really thing was, uh, and I thought I thought it was kind of a, a questionable call on the uh, – on the Pat Firemuth penalty, uh, what what was what what they deemed that as? Uh, oh, the uh, legal motion? shift or le- legal shift or legal motion one on that. I mean, I, th- I thought he was set long enough personally, but anyway, that that's one, and then the false start on Connor Hayward. You know, but I mean, right. they only they only had uh, two what two penalties I think for ten yards in this game uh, overall. So I mean, if you want to frame any negatives about this whatsoever, it would be. You know, why didn't you cash in more red zone and, and, and those two penalties? And and to me, that that's all I got. Yeah, again, fundamentally, Pittsburgh, that losing streak was because they were beating themselves in the last two weeks. They're making plays, but it starts with not beating yourself. I mean, you know, no turnovers, two penalties against the Bengals, two penalties against Seattle. If, if you do those things fundamentally, you're going to be in games. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, at least be close, even if you're not executing all that well. Of course, you had the really good execution Pittsburgh has on top of that. And you're seeing the outputs and the outcomes that Pittsburgh has had. So as much as we focus on you know, the, the big plays, I, I start with the lack of the negative plays and then you build off of that. And that's how this team is winning. Look, seven explosive plays, right? I mean, what was talks that in this one? Oh, uh, let me pull it real quick. Uh, the Seattle had, had one turnover. Correct. Uh, they had the one turnover. The Steelers had seven explosive plays. The Seahawks had six of 20 yards or more. So you add the one to it. They were plus two in the talks. And the talk stat tells you, unless you're the Steelers, <laughs> <laughs> you'll win 80% of your games if you win it by plus two or more. There you go. So all the numbers coming together. What was the adjusted net yards per passing attempt at Rudolph in this game, Dave? It was good. High. Uh, what was it? 10, 11. uh, hold on a minute here. I'll pull pull that for you here in just a minute by game. Let me pull up here by game. It was real quick. 10 and a half or 11. It was something up there and that's back to back weeks. That's happened. Uh, his was, where is it? I'm, I'm, I can't find it here real quick, but it, uh, well, look for the, for the two weeks, it's 11.1. Which is incredible. I know it's still small sample size, but incredible. Right. So anything else here for the offense? I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with the performance overall, um, but I can't say enough about Najee and, and Jalen because they got more than what was blocked. I mean, they just, this is the NFL. You don't see that stuff on the NFL level. Dave. You see that stuff in high school where you got some, you know, state champion against some, you know, team that, you know, is just a mess and they win one game the entire season. I mean, that, that's when you see those stiff arms and just the bully ball Pittsburgh had. And, and I'm telling you, man, they feed off of that. The offensive line, you see their body language, their energy, their intensity. I mean, this all kind of is a snowball that starts rolling downhill, and they ran it downhill at Seattle the entire game. 11.57 was his adjusted net yards for passing attempt against the Bengals, 10.64 against Seattle. And to put that in perspective, man, if you have a quarterback in a, in any one game that puts up a number of like 7.7, 
five or eight in a game, you're, you're probably a good chance, unless you're turning the football over or, or, or facing an even hotter quarterback, you're probably going to win a lot of those games. So the fact that you're you're talking about double digit in in that statistical category, that means what? It means you're, uh, you're not turning the football, you're not throwing interceptions, you're not getting sacked a lot, you're having some explosive plays uh, uh, down the field. All the things that you want to, you know, we've been wanting to see out of this offense for, for two plus whatever seasons now there, you, you, you got it. And I guess the only other thing I would say about the offense to kind of wrap up that side of the ball. What about that first down? What about that first down call at the, uh, at, at, at the end of the game there, where you, where you, you know, you're thinking, oh, they're going to just run it three times and try to kill some of this clock and see if they can get it there. But to come out throwing in that situation, uh, on, on, on a, on a slant to, uh, George, because look, if that's incomplete, the clock stops, right? I mean, uh, and you know, Mike Tomlin talked about what was his catchphrase? Uh, scared money. Don't make money. Scared money. Don't make money. Uh, that's the least scared I've, I've seen Mike Tomlin in a, in the game situation since several years ago, I think in a, when, in, in a Ben Roethlisberger situation there in, 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 in a game. Sure. It showed the trust in Rudolph to make the play. And I don't think Rudolph even got the look he thought he was going to get. He thought Seattle was going to go cover you know, zero. And yeah. Engage eight cover zero, you know, just bail out for the run, go all out on the run. And they played more traditional coverage there. Pittsburgh came out and, Pony, you know, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, and you didn't get the look they wanted, but you still made the play. You made it work. And a great adjustment by Pickens because that one was thrown behind, maybe intentionally, so I'm not positive. I think it was a good ball placement when I went back and looked at it because I wondered the same thing. Where was the ball placement? If you throw that more into the inside, uh, the DB has a better chance uh, or linebacker has a better chance of maybe getting a hand on that, breaking it up. Yeah, I thought the linebacker underneath might have influenced a throw behind. But either way, I mean, it was you know, a good adjustment by Pickens and then pick up the first down. I mean, I, the, the Rams game earlier this year, they got aggressive late in that one to try to close it out, I think, right? So you have seen some moments, but obviously I think it speaks to you know the confidence they have. And Rudolph, I think really kind of what showed it as well was this was a, a, an unsuccessful play, but how about going for fourth and five to open up the game you know, at, at the plus 40 and take a deep shot there. You know, you can debate the decision by Rudolph there for sure. But there's some confidence there on the offense, maybe also a lack of confidence in Presley Harvin, but probably a combination thereof to to let your offense make some plays. All right. Uh, A plus plus for the offense. Defensively, not going to get the A plus plus, but, you know, situational football making plays. I think, you know, the, the most underrated moment of this game, Dave, honestly, was the first defensive drive of the game coming off that failed fourth down conversion. The Seahawks start the game. Great field position around their 40 yard line. And Pittsburgh forces a three and out. I mean, that is a huge stop there early. I know the defense, you know, took their lumps and the run defense was a problem throughout, but I think to set the tone early in that one to get that first three and out was monumental. Uh, because of the sudden change aspect of it and, and where you're giving it up and you're expecting, well, man, if they could just get out of this with only giving up a field goal in this situation, it, 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 it served as a semi-tone setter. Yeah, sure. I, I'll go with that. And where did Pittsburgh start that next drive at? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Let me, it might have been a touchback. Let me check. Yeah, it wasn't, ended up being a touchback there. So they, they didn't get pinned deep. You know, you think about, okay, they're at the, the plus 41 Seattle to start that drive. But then even if they don't get points, they, they probably pin you back inside your 10. And you got to climb out of a hole. Instead, Pittsburgh's at the 20 and they go in a touchdown drive to make things 7 nothing. So again, defensively, there were some issues in this one, no doubt. But I just thought that that tone setting moment early was really good for Pittsburgh. 
Uh, uh, as far as the defense goes, Mike Tomlin uh, talked, I think, uh, not worried about the tight ends before the game. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of uh, had me a little bit concerned. And they, they obviously tried to use the tight ends in this game. Uh, Noah Fant, five for 59. Uh, Parkinson, two for 38. Uh, I think those are the only two tight ends that they, that they had mm-hmm. targeted in there. So they had, what, seven for... Uh, 97 yards, uh, out, out of their tight end position. But, uh, I, I think each had an explosive play in there, but they weren't, at least they weren't double or triple and standing in the end zone, uh, explosive plays on it. Uh, you had to know at some point Metcalf was probably going to eat a little bit in this game. Uh, he did, uh, middle of the field once again, got got exposed in this game i thought tackling as a whole wasn't bad uh by the steelers at least they they seem to have been tackling the catch for the most part wasn't uh i don't remember getting that upset with with, with missed tackles I, I guess josh has got a missed tackle report coming on that what is the raw what does uh, PFF have on this tackle? There was some run game, game stuff about the Kenneth Walker touchdown, the play before. That was Riley bad gap. That was bad gap. Well, yeah, so, I was saying the play before, yeah, Riley missed the tackle out on the edge. And then, yeah, I think there was some poor run fits. Robinson might have gotten held there a little bit. But I think on that drive and some of the run defense, there was some, you know, Walker was juking people out of their mm. out of his shoes. He's a really fun back to watch. But, yeah, I thought in terms of tackling the catch, you know, Metcalf wasn't breaking tackles and right. Lockett and Smith and Jigba weren't, you know, busting off yak and that, that kind of stuff. Uh, PFF has them down for five missed tackles in this game. Uh, and usually Josh Josh's numbers come out usually really similar to that. So uh, uh, was well, Seattle in this game? I'm just curious. More than five. Uh, let's see. They were... Yeah. 20 good God. 20 oh my goodness i mean they yeah. were one of the worst tackling teams coming into this game averaging about seven misses per game but 20 that might be a, a season high for any team if i had to guess yeah a couple of them boys got sat down <laughs> oh yeah for sure so uh but I, uh d- you know uh, other than the the leaking in the defense obviously the run game they they were able to hit and, and you made a good point earlier in the show that uh maybe look i thought geno smith played a hell of a game they're a good I, offense. Seattle has a good offense. I, I thought, and they could, you know, in a few opportunities, the Steelers didn't do a great job overall uh, with, with pressure. Now, Gino, for the, there were some times Gino held the ball and either Watt missed him or, you know, they they, they just missed him. And it, it felt like every time they, one was the third down play on the touchdown in, 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 in the middle of the field, I think, to Enjigma. You know, you have, have maybe a little small opportunity of shutting that down on third down, and he ends up making a play there. But uh, I... Geno Smith, in my opinion, is not the reason why why they lost that game. No, not at all. Again, I think their group of eligible players, of school guys, are as talented as maybe any team in football. I mean, the top three receivers, the top three tight ends, the top two running backs. I mean, and, and Geno, a quarterback, is a really, really good group. So you knew Pittsburgh was going to probably have some some pains in this one. And I want to see the run defense be better. That was more alarming to me than maybe the pass game type stuff. But they battled, and then one Nick Herbig mm. in his one or maybe two snaps of the game, just doing Nick Herbig things. Guy barely gets to play when he does. He makes the most of his chances. He swims over the, the chipper of the back and dips and rips under the left tackle of former top 10 pick in Charles cross knocks the ball out and recovers it. I mean, man, I love, I love listening to Brian Baldinger. I mean, he just loves that Nick Herbig tape and it's just so much fun to watch. It's, it's fun to watch Baldy watch Herbig, but it's also just fun to watch Herbig because this dude's just a, just a baller. 
And you had to feel once you got into that late game situation. I know I did, man, they got to get it. Where, where's the takeaway at? Where's, where's that? They're going to need one takeaway, mm-hmm. key, key takeaway in this game. And to be quite honest with you, before we jumped on the all 22 is not out. I, I screamed through the TV tape like three different times on fast forward, uh, uh, to see if I could pick it out. I only saw one snap out of Herbig. Did you find the other snap that he supposedly had? I went through my full charting, only one snap. I went through it again. I've seen only one snap. So if somebody sees a second Nick Herbig snap that's not the sack, let us know. Um, but to my knowledge, and I, 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 I assume I'm wrong here because usually the snap count guys are 100% accurate, but I only have Herbig down for one snap, and that was the sack fumble. Uh, how's that for contributions? One snap, uh, one, you know, the, uh, the hat trick there, (laughs) sack strip, uh, 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 recorded recovery there in that situation. So good on him, man. I had that stat up, uh, earlier on Twitter, uh, uh, this morning here, he's played what a hundred and here is his breakdown on a defensive side of football, 178 total defensive snaps. And that might actually be 177. <laughs> uh, Nick Herbig has 22 combined tackles, three sacks, five tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Ain't nothing wrong with that. When that guy's on the field, he's showing up. And we've said that a few times throughout the season here. Man, he only played X six snaps. You knew when he was on the field a couple of them. And... Uh, if anything is a testament of when he gets on the field, he's he's getting his money's worth. That uh, that one snap against the Seahawks was that because uh, I don't know if you want to call that a turning point in the game, but it damn sure didn't hurt. His per production or his per snap production, I said this last night, might be the best on the team, even better than TJ Watt. I mean, I had the the stat a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just kind of pulling some some quick and rough numbers here. Um, if we give him even the, the two rushes that he apparently had against Seattle. That's 61 pass rush snaps on the season. He's got three sacks. He's getting a sack once every almost 20 rushes, and his pressure rate is how many pressures does Herbig have this year? Let me try to check that here really quickly. I got him down for at least six pressures, and so he's getting a pressure basically once every 10 snaps, pass rush snaps, and a sack once every 20. Uh, then you have the forced fumbles, the tackles for loss in the run game. I mean, this guy just flat out maximizes his opportunity at every turn. He's just a big ball of energy. He's a he's a tone setter type of dude. He's a lot of fun to watch. Good on him. He's the Jalen Warren of that defense. I mean, uh-huh. to me, just like chip on his shoulder, you know, just maximize all effort, uh, all hustle type of guy. So, yeah, good on him for sure. Any other thoughts here defensively? I thought communication seemed generally clean. Maybe, as you said, some middle of the field type stuff that maybe, you know, had some leakage. Um I thought Peterson was a bit shallow on that touchdown to Smith and Jigba. I have to go back and see the just went right that. over it. Just went out of his arm, uh, out of reach of his hand. It's hard mm-hmm. to get a. It's hard to get a depth perception on that. That's something that caught my eye uh, when going back through the TV tape last night uh, on, on, on a full watch. There is if he's a little bit deeper in that, I'm not sure that gets over his head. But they picked on Pierre coming in to replace Porter, who missed a couple of snaps. I mean, Porter took his lumps for sure in this one, but I thought he made a good point. He battled in the second half, and I mean, he you know he didn't get his head, he didn't get emotional about it, and start you know doing stupid stuff. And I thought played clean overall. So um, some of the inbreaking things I think got him, but I thought he you know steadied out as the game went on. Look, I got turned around one time. Uh, I know for sure. And look, that's a physical guy he's going up against, and. 
And he's he's when it when asked to try to defend in the blocking category against a guy like that, nine times out of ten, you just gotta hope that you hold on at least set the edge where nobody goes outside of you, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Metcalf uh, blocked him up on the touchdown, but mm-hmm. you know, Metcalf's a freak. So. But uh, I mean, he, you know, for lack of a, it's a learning, it's a growing experience for him. He's now faced that 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 kind of guy, you know. And it wasn't an awful game. I mean, mm-hmm. that's his worst game, you know. That right. We're kind of spoiled by I think how well he's at played. least no penalties, right? Yeah, that's true. He's wearing black gloves, by the way. I don't know if that uh, was intentional or not. He was wearing black arm sleeves, too, but it was uh, uh, black gloves against a darker Navy jersey Seattle hat on. But one guy, I'm going to do a video on this later this week. The last two weeks, I think it's been really impressive, and I really appreciate it. Chandon Sullivan. Chandon, dang it, Dave. You took my thunder. No, yeah, Chandon Sullivan's been really good and playing, obviously, a lot more snaps because Peterson's at safety. Sullivan's now basically in every down uh, nickel slot corner. He had a breakup in this one, a good hit on Lockett. Um, tackling the catch. The Bengals game was similar. Um, that's a guy that, that is really playing good football right now. Uh, the tape spoke to me last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew which way you was you was going to go on that. Yeah, I thought, uh, and I think his tackle. I think he hit on a couple of nice after the catch tackles he had too, driving people backwards. Yeah, third down stops where you don't get the extra yard and put them in fourth down. That stuff is huge. Killebrew's role continues to to expand, and he's seen some time. And I, I thought he's played you know relatively well. So it, it's been this you know, mash unit of people trying to cobble things together, but I think they're largely doing it so far. Yeah, they, they, they are. How many snaps did, uh, cause, uh, uh, I don't even think he saw the field, uh, the other Ooh. line, uh, the other veteran linebacker, like Martinez. Uh, yeah. He did not even log a snap in this game. He dressed for the second time this season, but he didn't even give him anything on special teams. So he was more mm. of a break glass. Of course, he was up because Landon Roberts was down. Right. And we should mention uh, while we're talking injuries, Mike Tomlin at the podium today was calling Mika Fitzpatrick, Trenton Thompson, uh, Landon Roberts all day to day in this one. So we'll see uh, all three ruled out by the end of last week. Hopefully Minka can come come back for this one. I don't know really what the odds are on, are on any of those guys right now in terms of playing against Baltimore. Yeah, Mike Tomlin kind of left it loose that uh, all day today we'll start them off limited and see where it goes from there. So even if you get one of those guys back, it would be per, 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 pretty good. But uh, Eric Roach, his credits filled in uh, nice. Almost had a pick in that game early on over there on the left side, uh, 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 sinking a little bit in coverage on kind of an ill-advised uh, throw, if you will. Uh Patrick Peterson continues to, to give him obviously snaps at, at, at safety. Uh, Miles Jack, you know, now uh, in in the middle of that defense. How many snaps did Miles Jack play in this game? Every single one. Every single one of them. Yep. Good. And they needed that. They need somebody to be a communicator. He's vocal, verbally, non-verbally. Um, his play seemed, you know, solid and steady. So. Need him. Robinson felt a little out of position, a little out of, uh, out of his gap. Mm-hmm. Kind of see why they're hesitant to, to play him. He how many snaps for Robinson? I don't have my, my sixteen question. along with Walker. Sixteen for Walker, Walker too. Oh, interesting. I split that down the middle. Okay, I think Walker was more sub package nickel guy. Robinson more of a base guy. You know, Pittsburgh those, those guys are their Achilles heel for sure. Uh, when 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 they're on the field. Yeah, and teams note that's why they're targeting the tight ends as much as they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, schematically, Pittsburgh looks sound. They stayed in base sometimes to try to you know, support the run a bit better. So kind of some some wrinkles there. Have to see the all twenty-two, but 
you know, they, they they took their lumps, but they made some plays. They got some stops, and and that's all that matters. I mean, even getting the um, hole in Seattle to that field goal in that fourth quarter drive. I mean, ultimately, I guess it was moot because Pittsburgh never gave Seattle the ball back. But you know, holding them to to three to make it thirty to thirty to twenty three was a really good red zone stand. All right, so we'll see if they're able to get uh, any of Minka, Trenton Thompson, or uh, Landon Roberts uh, back for this finale. Right, the extra, you know, the short day doesn't, or the short week doesn't help Pittsburgh's odds in that, but we'll uh, see that they'll be at practice on Tuesday. They'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with this uh, modified schedule. Honestly, also with the Saturday game, I mean, Pittsburgh's used to playing Saturday games. They played it in week 15, played it in week 16. This is kind of old hat for them, so it actually might benefit them in the sense of it's not anything they haven't done before. Right. Any other thoughts here, Dave? Special teams, only one punt, which Ooh. is a, a rarity. So that was, you know, good. It was a, a fine boot there from Harvin. Um, Boz didn't have to do a ton that was too taxing in this game, which you like to see. Thought Godwin had a couple of decent kick returns, but special teams, not a whole lot for me to note. Yeah, same here. Uh, I tell you, Godwin, he just, he runs straight ahead now. <laughs> which I'm good with. I'm yeah, good with. just run. <laughs> Catch it and go. All right. Anything else from this game? Anything I'm, I'm missing that you wanted to address in actives? I mean, Leal was down again. Let him get in the hat second week in a row. I think that's the right choice there. Um, Rush and active. We talked about Pickett. Anything else? Uh, I thought uh, Armand Watts could have played a better game. Yeah, I'll have to go back and see. He was. They ran it to his side on the touchdown that Walker had. I want to see kind of the the run fills of that one. I'm not entirely sure. I, I just know that Watson Robinson were in the same gap and that that's a problem. Right. But Robinson, uh, again, he might've gotten his Jersey tugged there. I think maybe the guard got a little, little handsy. I, I don't know for sure on that one with the lower volume of snaps in this game too, that, that obviously helped the defense. Watts only played four snaps. Uh, Loudermilk played three. Uh, who else was significant? Uh, Riley played seven snaps in this game on defense. Uh, Marcus Golden played nine. Yeah, Riley was using some of those uh, against 13 personnel because, as you mentioned, Seattle runs a ton of those. So one cornerback sets bring in the three safety. Sometimes they were even four down linemen type stuff they were employing out there um, with just, you know, one corner on the field. I know that people will will gripe, and I get it of Herbig only playing one or two snaps, but like the Bengals game, um, you know, whenever you're only you're out there for, for 50 or so snaps, it's kind of hard to rotate. So um, I love Herbig. I think there's a chance to get him more opportunities. I want to explore that in the offseason, but I do get why those snap counts are low in games for your defense, frankly. It's just barely on the field. Agreed. All right, Dave. Uh, anything else I'm missing from Tomlin? They kind of were kind of balancing all over the place today, but that that's okay. Uh, I think obviously the conversation was around Kenny Pickett. Any other any final thoughts on the Pickett stuff or anything else Tomlin had to say? I was so hyper focused on what he had to say about the quarterback situation and all. I, you know, uh and then we already hit on him talking about not having a scoreboard watch. It was it was really just uh, filler. The rest of it, I think. Yeah, uh, shorter presser, but it really was just all I cared about was the picket stuff. I mean, and Rudolph. And again, not surprised by anything that Tomlin essentially said, except for maybe the emergency quarterback stuff, which was kind of weird. But we we both fully expected Mason Rudolph to be named as team's starter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now just, just win this, uh, win this game against the uh, Ravens and see what happens. And he's your starter the rest of the season. Like if, if you mm-hmm. don't make the playoffs, obviously your season's over. And if you do make the playoffs and of course, Rudolph is going to, going to carry you into that. So he's your guy the rest of the year where it goes from there, you know, after the season, we'll talk about it then. All right, Dave, any, do you, do you, do mm-hmm. you turn, yeah, uh, let's, when, when will the quarterback speak this week? 
Tomorrow? Tuesday? They usually speak on Wednesday, so I would imagine tomorrow, but I'd have to go back and check previous Saturday game schedules. And last week they had both Mason and Kenny speak, right? Does Kenny speak? And what what is what what is he gonna say? It's that, gonna be, that, yeah, that interesting. Stay tuned, especially with all uh, once again. Hey, oh, I, I know there's reports out there about Kenny saying he refused to be the backup. Well, I, I don't I don't want to get too deep into that because I'd, I'd like to see it get either confirmed or shot down more. So maybe maybe we'll have more to talk about that on Wednesday. That's a fair point. All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails to close up today's show. Just a reminder, no live stream. That's our normal schedule. We'll be back next week. But just a reminder for those who maybe were wondering, but uh, what's in the email machine, Dave? All right. Uh, Cameron Andrews writes in, hey, David Knox, Happy New Year. Thank you for all you do for the Steelers community. Quick rant about the NFL scheduling. We had two Thursday night games. Well, some teams didn't have one. Another Saturday night game after playing in Seattle. Thanks, but no thanks, NFL. Question, if Mason beats the Ravens and the Steelers do re-sign him uh, this offseason, would quarterback one job be an open competition between him and Kenny? And what position would you adjust first in a draft or would would you would you address first in a draft or off season cornerback defensive line safety inside linebacker right tackle thank you fellas let's have a great year ahead of us uh Cameron with all due respect and all uh for, for the draft stuff man we're gonna have <laughs> that's coming brother uh look I I think we've loosely kind of named several positions and several ones that you named there Cameron you can certainly I mean you don't have center on your list you better you better have center on your list. Uh, right, well, Alex. The cold the snaps were still an issue in this game. Right, nitpick some of the negatives. Right, uh, uh, Cameron. You, I mean, you've done a good job of listing positions there. Uh, I, I, I don't know if let, let's wait on adjusting which one uh, first in the draft and, and and save some of that stuff after the season here. Uh, uh, it's going to be obviously talk about the whole Mason thing. Can you? Will you re-sign him? You would have. You would assume that. You know, if, if Mason, Mason of all people is resigned, that he you would think that it would take be enough money where you're thinking about him as a quarterback one position. Uh, we have we have beat this quarterback talk up in the first half of this 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 podcast. I know a lot of people are 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 are, are tired of it. Let's address the quick rant about the NFL scheduling. First and foremost, it's not surprising the way the scheduling went for this weekend. Uh, uh, and long story short too, you know, the NFL has all teams listed as to be determined on the schedule well ahead of the season. So they can play with the schedule at the end with what, which, which is going to set up the most intrigue with the playoff races and, and yada, yada. And that because of where the Steelers sit on the outside looking in and with other dominoes being reliant. And even in the fact that the Steelers technically, I guess, could lose this game and get in with one scenario, uh, I bet the computer instantly spit that out uh, as the, as the Steelers being the first game up on Saturday. I understand that's a lot of Saturday games, uh, a lot of th- you even had to stat what this is the third first time since how long three Saturday games? What was that? Yeah, first time since 1954, Pittsburgh has played three Saturday games in one season. So, yeah, I mean, is it easy to look at it, Cameron, and say uh, you're over it? Yeah, I, I agree. Look, we we love Sunday 1 o'clock games <laughs> at Steelers Depot. We love them. Uh, and if we can't have those, I guess the next best thing would be a Sunday, what, 4, 
435 game. But uh, I, I get where people are, are upset about this, but the, you know, uh, the, the everything that comes along with week 18 and ratings and setting up suspense is why they do it this way. Sure. I know we're going to talk about this more Friday, but I, I just had this thought. I mean, Pittsburgh's path, if they lose this game for the playoffs, isn't that crazy. It's not as crazy as you think it would be. Right? If I'm reading this correctly, all it's going to take is the Colts and Texans not tying. So let's assume that. I know the last time Pittsburgh needed a not tie to happen, it almost occurred. So we're not, we're not going to make it 100%, but let's just kind of assume that. And then from there, they just need Jacksonville to lose to Tennessee and Denver to win. Who is where the Broncos playing to close this this year out? They're playing. It's got to be a division game, isn't it? Right. The Raiders. Um, that's not. It's going to take a lot, obviously, but that's not that crazy of a scenario for Pittsburgh to get in. Okay. Not that I want that to happen. I don't want you know that scenario to, to play out. I'd rather have obviously the Bills or the Jaguars losing, but I mean it's not that crazy. All right, uh, Bryce, uh, great win over the Sea Chickens. For the sake of argument, let's say the Steelers go outside the organization to bring in a new new OC. Which offensive coaches on this current staff do you think should keep – we've already uh, – it seems like we're repeating some of these questions here. Look, at this point right now, we're going to – once again, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about this stuff uh, here. So uh, we've already chimed in kind of on, on – now, has, has anybody saved their job over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I this thing's still got to play itself out. You got to get in mm-hmm. the playoffs and win a playoff game, man. Yeah, if they lose to the Ravens or don't make the playoffs, we're having the same conversations of, oh, winning season or non-losing season streak continues for Tomlin, but no playoff wins. You know, it doesn't really matter. So this thing can still turn sour pretty quickly. I do uh, did make a note that players really gave the coaching staff a lot of credit for the game plan this week. I think many guys, you know, credited how well the coaches prepared them and Mason Rudolph in particular shouted out Pat Meyer, the O-line coach for the game plan, the run plan, the checks and those kinds of things. So um, we'll see on Meyer, but it's not going to shock me if he returns. Uh, with his blazing speed, why do you think we don't see more rub routes, crossers and drag routes from Calvin Austin? This would give him more opportunities to run away from guys. Look, I mean, you could make, you could make the, the you could make the same argument maybe for a guy like uh, Deontay. Why aren't you seeing more of that? Uh, uh, out of him. Now you are, uh, as Alex highlighted earlier in the show, seeing uh, Deontay out of the slot more and all like that. You would like to maybe be able to implement Calvin Austin a little bit more in the passing game than he's been implemented this season in the story. Sure, I would, uh, or at least I'm not against it. I think this team doesn't still quite know how to best use Austin. And listen, your goal is to get your best players, your best weapons to football. And they've struggled to get Deontay and Pickens to football throughout the year. So that, that's primary objective number one, and the rest matters a little bit less overall. I mean, their slot production has been really poor from their you know kind of true slot guys last year, this year, and I want to see that improve. But um, you know, as long as the ball is getting to Johnson and Austin or excuse me, Johnson and Pickens and they're, they're winning and producing, then I'm good with it. All right. Brother Luis Diaz from Mexico city back with us, Alex, happy new year. In the last two games, I noticed a couple of situations that the Steelers did with Rudolph that they have never done with Pickett. He says by the end of the first half versus the Bengals with under a minute left, they were throwing the ball even on third and long resulted in a field goal by the end of yesterday's game threw the ball to Pickens to practically seal the game. The question is simple. Did the Steelers simply do not do the Steelers simply do not trust Pickett to perform under those situations? My very best regards and thanks for all the work. Wishing you a great 2024. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, look, it's a fair, it's a fair question to ask. 
It is, yeah. I mean, the, the bottom line is the bottom line is the bottom line. When your offense is, is producing and you're playing well, you have more confidence, you have more trust, and you're more likely to do some of these things we're seeing with Rudolph. I think it has happened with Pickett maybe a bit more than people are remembering. The Rams game is a good example of that. But but yeah, I, I agree overall. I mean, when your offense is putting up 30 points per game, that's going to build some trust and some confidence to let them go go do their thing. That's just going to that's natural if your defense was playing amazing. You'd have a d- different philosophy, you know, with how you approach those guys. So it all it's just kind of basic, you know, philosophy and coaching. Lewis, you can at this point you can question simple. Do what do they? You could question where they are on Kenny Pickett. Period. Right now, end end of story. Like we said at the top of the show, there are more questions than there are answers about this 2024 quarterback room. Uh, even after this Seahawks game. Oh yeah. It's, it's wide open right now, Dave. I don't know where it's going to go. It's going to be the conversation of the off season. I know that already from there. We'll see. Uh, Deshaun Campbell back with us up guys. I'm sure this topic will be covered, but you have to ask anyways, if Mason is resigned, do you see a quarterback, another kind of a similar question? What we got earlier there. I mean, does Kenny play out, play out, right? Give him, uh, the starting position next year, because we all know the moment he's, he starts slow next season, the fan base will be screaming for Mason if he beats Baltimore. Look, I, once again, you know, this, uh, Deshaun, the, the only way I can answer this is I, I don't know which way this is going to go right now, uh, period. And, and you have to, the only thing I know right now is that there are a lot of questions about like the one you are giving us here. And there is going to be a lot of speculation, especially if Kenny does not play another snap the rest of the season. If Mason Rudolph plays at or above what he's, what he, man, if this guy gets you into playoffs and wins, wins you your first playoff game since 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, the chatter is going to be. And once again, you don't, I, I see we, we hit on this. I, I'm making a show longer, but I, I don't give a crap. Uh, uh, people will listen or they shut it off. Uh, the Steelers never do contracts in season. And I don't think that they'd be able to get done one done with Mason right now. Anyway, he'd probably say, you guys hold that thought, uh, uh, uh right now. I, I might seriously consider going after him to see what it would get, take to get it, get him done. You know, right now. Are you saying like, in I, 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 w- I would, I would call his agent right now. Uh, let me put it to you that way. Hey, what's going on? I, d- I just want to take your temperature. <laughs> I think he'd say what you said. We'll get back to you in, mm-hmm. in March. Because there are a lot of questions right now. and There's no guarantee Mason comes back. No. I mean, the only answer I can give to that about Rudolph and Pickett is if Rudolph is tracking and continues to track in this direction, even if they don't make the, I mean, in, in some respects, if he doesn't make the playoffs, it might almost be the best thing. You play well against the Ravens. You don't get the hope that you need. You don't have the, a playoff game where you might kind of get, you know, tossed around some and kind of end on that note. Bottom line is let's just assume for a second, Rudolph plays well against Baltimore. The season is over. That's three really strong starts. That is not going to be a cheap guy to, to retain. And so the contract may in some respect, if you play this thing out, if Pittsburgh were to bring Rudolph back, maybe almost just set in stone that Rudolph is your starter. You're going to pay this guy. I don't know. What, what do you think the number oh, might Lord. be? If, I'm, I'm going I'm to sit down the rabbit the hole. The meter's right running. Right. But we're talking at least $10 million per year, I think, for a quarter, the going rate for a quarterback these days. I mean, what, what did Mitch get on average a couple of years ago with the incentives? I mean, w- without the incentives was something like, what was his average yearly value? Like seven point something? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Rudolph's going to be above that just with the cap going up. And obviously, Trubisky, like you said, was, you know, the backup in Buffalo. You really weren't basing it off of recency type things. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm saying the going rate for like a quarterback is insane. It's, you know, 40 million for, for top end guys. But for Rudolph, I mean, I think we're talking at least 10 million per year. And if, you, if you're paying the guy that, that's, that's going to be your starter contract right there. Uh, here's something else we forgot to think about real quick here. Uh, if he does leave you in free agency, there's he's he's got added compensatory value, albeit not for the next draft, but the following draft, right? Right. That's true. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but I mean, you you just wonder could he price himself out of Pittsburgh? Yeah, you do wonder about that. And, and I know we're going to okay. I'm sending your you down the rabbit hole too. But if you if you if you bring back Rudolph on a starter contract and Pickett's not happy, the uh call around some teams and say, you guys like Kenny Pickett coming out of the draft? I mean, those are the conversations we're going to have. Yeah, but I mean, what you would get versus at least having a guy that's played be a backup then, and you're already going to have backup questions, even if you do restart, you know? I so, know. yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, there, this, the fingers on this thing as far as off-season conversation is already more than one hand now. <laughs> right. I'm just saying it's it's awkward to keep your franchise quarterback from a year ago as your backup now who's not happy in that position. You know, if you're moving on from your franchise quarterback, move on from your franchise quarterback. You know what I'm and saying? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just thinking out loud. And if I'm Mason, I'm going to make sure I sign for enough where you have to think about twice making this a quarterback uh, uh, battle. <laughs> yeah, I think Rudolph could sign a contract that doesn't make it much of a battle. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at. All right, uh, one more for Todd from Todd Gensler here. He- uh, hello, fellows. Happy New Year, Dave. Same question regarding 20 games for a quarterback to have some semblance of his play. Currently, we have Mason Rudolph sitting at 12 games. His play pr- processing, footwork, and poise are actually very impressive, he writes. Question, is he the is he the future of Pittsburgh? He seems to uh, much better already compared to Pickett. I really think the Steelers moved off of him way too soon, wanted a mobile quarterback to operate Canada's offense, and that's why Mason was passed over. Finally, we'll talk and the Steelers accept the fact that they whiffed on Mason uh, and and co 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 sign him for or, or co uh, seems like a typo here. Co sign co sign themselves. Uh, well, it's, it's co soldier. Uh, so oh. there's there's some sort of uh, uh, misspelling there. Uh, similar to how the 49ers cut bait with Lance and anointed Purdy the starting role, even keeping Pickett around isn't such a bad thing. Th- and then thought he says thoughts. Well, I once again, Todd, uh, we, we we're going to have so much quarterback conversation here. Uh, I, I don't. This thing's still yet to play out, too. What? What? God forbid it happens. But what if he goes in into Baltimore and lays an egg? True. We're going to have a whole different set of questions next week in the emails. Yeah, it's going to be a muddy mess of. Go find door number three, probably. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's day one of 2024. And for the next 360 something days, we're going to be talking about Pittsburgh's quarterback situation. So it's a uh, buckle up. It's going to be a long ride. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this show, man, uh, what a what a roller coaster ride this season has been. Uh, what a situation this team is in right now. Who would have dreamed that? We'd be talking about Mason Rudolph and and all like this right now. And here we are going into week 18 with this team. You know, uh, I don't want to say a, a, a legit, a legitimate chance, but a, 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 a whatever a less than a legitimate chance of making the playoffs is. That's where they're at. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I if like they, they don't get in, then it, 
hey, if they don't get in, then <laughs> a week from now, <laughs> we're sitting here saying, well, you ready for the all season, Alex? You know, sure. uh, but I mean, the fact that they're in this coming off of the two disgusting losses to uh, the Cardinals and the Patriots and following up with that, that egg against the Colts and all. I mean, it was a lot of gloom, despair and agony on me. And then now we're, we're fast forwarding to a couple weeks to what if Mason's reached, you know, what's what's who's going to be the starting quarterback? You know, is he even on the roster right now? Yeah, I mean, and, and what a crazy couple of weeks for Mason Rudolph to go from number three to I'm dusting off my resume and looking at commercial real estate ideas to I might I might be a really high paid, you know, or well paid quarterback next year in the NFL. So this thing's this has all happened in the last month or so. It's 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 pretty wild. All right. I am rambled out. I had, right, a, lot, I had a lot to say. But, yeah, uh, making up for lost time. Glad you're back, Dave. Really fun show today. We'll be back on Wednesday, and who knows what it'll look like on Wednesday. All right. Uh, until Wednesday, he's Alex Kazora. Uh, this is a terrible podcast. We'll mix it up here in New Year. Uh, Ooh. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. You can follow Alex Kazora at Alex underscore Kazora. You can follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do, and hopefully you do, uh, donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you'd like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button or hit the ad free button up right navigation bar. How long did we go? today alex i lost i took i don't know how long we went yeah, about long? hour 20 not, not okay. too bad yeah, it feel, okay. feels like i i rambled a lot more than that but i guess not so uh until wednesday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex happy new year